everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. I know it's hard to follow after last week's episode with the incomparable Ella Masser, but, you know, lower your expectations. It's, um, it's, it's really uh, unfortunate that we, we follow up some pretty awesome interviews with just you and me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's what, it's what people came here for, I guess. And every once in a while, we're able to give them a golden nugget. But most of the times, it's just us. Just the two of us. So in that we scenario, can make it if you try. Which one of us is Will Smith, and which one of us is Will Smith's first son? Um, Dibs on Will Smith. I I would probably be the son. <laughs> well, since our last episode, the United States has played the first of four international friendlies. They played New Zealand. Uh, they won for nothing, and for the first time in a long time, I had not all but some positive things to say. And it wasn't just about, like, individual performances. There was some team stuff that was good. So, before we get to that, don't you have a question for me? Oh my god! Gab, what are you drinking? <laughs> oh, um, I am a bit of a sicko today, so I am, I am hydrating with some water. But, you know, uh, I figure I'm on enough um, pain meds that I should be pretty fun for this one um what what are you drinking buddy tell me about a little bit about this beer that you are not enjoying quite so much uh it's an anchor steam beer a buddy of mine picked up a six pack for me and was like just try this and i was like okay and it's it's okay but it's not my cup of tea so i probably won't repeat it but you know apparently it's an amber and sometimes i like them sometimes i don't this one and i we are not clicking quite right yes sir you're you're not a fan of the ambers, huh? Sometimes I am, but this one is not. I mean, I'm drinking it. <laughs> it's beer. Well, yeah, I mean, it's free beer. It might be a little too hoppy for me, is what's happening. So the United States beat New Zealand for nothing. <laughs> oh, that was an excellent transition. What what am I supposed to do? Like, speaking of <laughs> beer, did you have to drink a lot of beer to get through? This? Uh... Like, I went into this kind of expecting maybe that they would play down to New Zealand's level, which is not to say that New Zealand is a bad team, but they are still not quite top tier. Like, on any given day, if New Zealand were to play Germany or France or something like that, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to win. New Zealand's going to be that team to watch in 2019, though. Yeah, another development cycle. Yeah, the development of that team and the youth on that team. I mean, it is unfortunate that what we saw on Saturday was a result of a big travel day for them um yeah they are young but you still should probably travel like a few days before the match so that your body has time to recover and a reason why i think us was able to score so many goals late in the game was because of that fatigue oh yeah not necessarily because us was like more match fit um i would have loved to have seen arrested new zealand playing the usa um New Zealand's always fun to watch. Uh, I've seen them play live a a few times. I think most notably when you and I were popsicles in Frisco um, back in 2012 uh, because of the match. At kickoff, it was like 22 degrees with a wind chill, um, and it just continued to get darker and colder. That game was awful because 
I flew in the day before and it was nice. It was like in the 70s. And then day of, it drops into the 30s. And then the day after when I flew out, it went back into the 70s. It was like a very personal fuck you from Frisco to all of us at the game. Right, yeah, because it was like, oh, I'm checking the weather. I don't even really need a jacket. And then it was the coldest day Dallas had seen in, like, three years. Yeah, New Zealand's a young, developing team. And I think a couple more days of rest, time to acclimate to the jet lag. They would have put up a much scrappier fight. Well, have we seen anything about what the match was like today? Oh, the closed door. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen anything on Twitter or anything like that. When they said closed door, they really meant it, I guess. Right? Not even New Zealand's talking about it. Uh, although Jill Ellis has said she's going to release the roster within a couple days of the closed door, so we should be looking out for that soon, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, it's a little early for the roster to be released, but um, the USA doesn't play another game until May 10th. Um, when they take on Ireland in San Jose. So um, I guess better now than then. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm intrigued if anything comes of, you know, if we see anything out of this closed door because we saw a lot of, not a lot of new faces, but we saw um, kind of what I would say like an ideal lineup would be um, on Saturday, minus Rampone. Uh, if, you know, she's on the World Cup roster, um, she'd probably be a starter, uh, just because I think Ellis um, is holding that place for her. But, you know, if Julie keeps scoring goals every time she fucking starts, she might she might be, you know, the new center back uh, starter in Rampone's spot. I'm honestly fine with that, with JJ as the starter, with Becky Sauerbach. Mm-hmm. And then Rampone coming in as a super sub, uh, or as an option off the bench. Not even, like, always coming in but just as an option to keep just in case yeah she's she's a great asset to this team i think um she provides a lot of leadership on and off the pitch having carly as a captain out there you know a vet who hopefully will be able to keep a level head throughout the tournament i think that's great i didn't notice uh did you yeah no i did notice um abby again came on super sub in the 73rd minute uh, and grab that uh, that captain's armband from Carly. I, I think it's a small detail, but I'd love to see Carly keep that for 90 it's, minutes. It's small, but it's highly symbolic. Mm-hmm. Highly symbolic. It, and, it, and it flies in the face of just, you know, tradition. I don't know what it says a lot about specifically. For me, it has a lot of implications, and I don't necessarily who those implications fall on. Is it on Abby, on the coaches, is on U.S. soccer, which is mandated that certain people need to be in the spotlight for marketing purposes. I'm not going to put anything past U.S. soccer on saying these are our big names. We need to focus on them because, you know, dollar dollar bill, y'all. Yeah, but, I mean, these are big names. We need to focus on them. That doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be focusing on Abby as captain. No, um, no, no, no. You know, I don't. I think letting, letting Carly a nike athlete who's also going to be featured in the nike ads i mean i abby's in standalone ads gatorade and her own nike shit um i think nike's going to be coming out with a new campaign that has press and lloyd and krieger and larue all all featured together alex morgan Um, too i think oh okay um I, i must have missed her you know, I think I think there's a lot to be said for like marketing Carly a, a, a bit harder and a bit more. Um, but you know, I guess 
the Nikes kind of stake their claim and U.S. soccer doesn't bite the hand that feeds them. I don't know why Carly isn't bigger than she is outside of the women's soccer world, especially after she put up some good performances and, you know, especially in the Olympics. Like, um, maybe, I don't know, they don't think she's photogenic. It's a harsh thing to say, but I'm like thinking of that from a, you know, a cutthroat business perspective. You're, you're telling me Abby Wambach is more photogenic. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like, well, Abby Wambach, someone described her as like, there's a spectrum from marketing like based on pure uh looks or just personality all the way to pure talent and people tend to fall along the spectrum and abby is far 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 on just the pure performance end of you know how they have to focus their marketing and reasons why and and carly lloyd you think would fall somewhere in there she's not like hideous to look at once again this is all coming from like a cutthroat business but i actually really despise the social conditioning that has created this market for if you want to be really popular you have to perform and also be really good like it should all be performance based that would be ideal but it's not well, it should it, it should be and and you know you you look on the men's side and uh a lot of the players who are elevated or, or put on pedestals you know are not the most attractive men no no it's some obviously sexist shit where you can be like the, the ugliest motherfucker in the world but if you're a dude you're only judged on your ability but if you're a woman right and you're ugly then you can say goodbye to a good chunk of advertising dollars. Like you're either, right, right. If you're if you're ugly as like conventionally ugly as society judges, then your performance had better be so outstanding that you can't be ignored. Absolutely, and I think Carly Lloyd's coming up on that. I think this is going to be Carly Lloyd's like breakout tournament. Granted, it'll probably be one of her last. She'll probably go to the Olympics next year, but um, you know she's getting up there. She's she's in that class of older uh, national teamers who this might be this might be her last World Cup. So you know, for her, go big or go home, lady. Like she's she's gonna be gunning for for those goals. She's gonna be she's gonna you know, hopefully 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 she keeps her knee over the ball and doesn't doesn't pull some classic Carlos. But other than that, in the game, there were some positives, right? Oh, there were there were a butt ton of positives. We outshot New Zealand, uh, eighteen to two. Shots on goal of those 18, 11 were on goal. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty fantastic. Everybody was comfortable taking shots. I felt I I've noticed um, kind of a, a trend in in recent women's national team games that it's almost as though they they looked hesitant to pull the trigger and i didn't get that sense uh from this past weekend everybody you know when they when they faced goal um they were comfortable taking the shot it looked like a lot of shots uh were coming from outside the box but there was also good service going in this experiment that ellis has been doing with having the outside backs uh running you know the the full flank to to get service in it it looked really really good i thought I really liked that they were putting together some nice little sequences in the attacking third to work the ball around quickly. Sometimes they looked pretty bad at it. It was like the old United States where they just couldn't friggin' put together short passes in tight spaces. But Mm -hmm. at other times, I was like, that was a really nice sequence to, you know, move the ball around the top of the 18 to try and find a seam or an open player. The, The actual stats kind of give the lie to the feeling let's see in the first half pass completion for the united states was 62 percent and in the second half 64 percent 
although there was improvement in pass strings of three or more. So in the first half, it was 25, and in the second half, it was 30. I felt like there was more creativity in the attack than we've seen in a long time. We, we need to work on the pass completion, but this game was more improvement than I've seen from the team in months. Like, what have we been yeah. moaning about for the past, you know, half a year? Long ball, can't possess, no creativity, blah, 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 blah. I think I think they they definitely improved in in their ability to to work the ball up the pitch in a like calm and collected manner. I I think that a lot of times when their pass completion like when when we gave up possession was just because they weren't on the same page. Uh, you saw a lot of balls being being played into an area where there was an assumption being made that so-and-so was going to complete that run, or I'm just going to assume that that Klepney is going to be making this run. So she's going to be there and she wasn't there or something like that. It wasn't always club, but you know, it's, it was one of those things where I was just like, you know, this team just needs to play together a little bit more, which is a dumb thing to say because this team has been doing nothing but playing together for the past, like, six months. You know what I think the difference was? I think it was Alice giving up on that stupid 4 Yeah. She brought in midfielders who can go wide and provide service. We saw it from Megan Rapino, who has admittedly been kind of in flux the past couple games when she's appeared, but in this game, she made some mistakes, but she also created a lot of good uh, attacking momentum. Right. And it's it was nice to be able to have midfielders who are actually used to being on the outside and not hopeless wanderers like uh, uh, Christian Press or uh, Carly Lloyd being forced to play outside when they would much rather be just wandering in the middle. Christian Press is interesting because I think that Alice wants her to play a hybrid role. She wants her to provide connectivity through the midfield, but she also wants her to be able to do that, you know, run onto a ball in the box and shoot and score and i think that press could do it she wasn't good at it this game i think she disappeared a little bit but she's done it before and if she can do it more consistently i really enjoy that she's a starter right now um i think she's more effective as a starter than as a super sub um you know the players that that we have starting right now are really coming together well uh and if you look at the the subs that we didn't use that are probably going to make the the world cup roster um we didn't use engen o'reilly and harris and harris is is a bit of a wash because you know when solo's when solo's healthy we're gonna see solo you know that's that's the mo of u.s soccer how many how many caps did uh barnhart actually get when solo was healthy slim did not so, so we know that that's the MO. But, you know, we have Engen and O'Reilly subs that came on. Brian, Wambach, LaRue, Heath, Kolopny, uh, O'Hara. You know, there were, there were a number of players that didn't even make the roster that were at camp. I think we, we have great depth. And the starting lineup that we saw on Saturday, I, I would love to see that starting lineup in Winnipeg. A-Rod hitting the post twice. Oh. A-Rod looked good. A-Rod smells blood in the water, man. She, yeah. She knows she knows that starting spot is hers for the taking. And, like, the touches she put on those balls to hit the post, one of them, I remember, it was just kind of an awkward-looking situation. I didn't expect her to make anything of it. And then she somehow got her foot onto that ball enough to hit the post, and I was like, that's, that's skill, baby. 
I just remember seeing that and thinking that's the kind of thing that comes from like long training and hard won instinct from being a striker for so many years that you just know your body knows how to move to touch the ball in a weird situation. Everything doesn't have to align perfectly for you in order to strike it well. The thing about the four goals is I only consider one really from open play, and that's Morgan Bryan's goal. She subs on, she forces a turnover, she and Sid hit, you know, give and go, and then Morgan Bryan runs onto it and scores. Like, a really nice goal. The first one uh, with Klingenberg, it wasn't a set piece, that's true, but it wasn't through careful build up through the offense it was kind of a rebound it was off the defense and she cleaned up which is fine it came from offensive pressure too it it resulted from creating enough pressure that she was able to hit the rebound and stuff it in but yes 50 percent of our goals did result from set pieces is that maybe fine is that fine to rely i think so i mean here's another way of asking that question is it fine that most of our goals are coming from non-forwards I think that's the more important question. Like like the fact that one one of the four goals was scored by a non-defender attacking, yeah, a non-defender. Uh she's not even a forward, but you know, the the fact that Brian got a goal that was really a on the counter. Yeah, the other three goals coming from defenders, the Julie Johnston one yeah, center backs come and get up into the box, so it's not such an aberration. But with Kolopny and Klingenberg, they were really far up there, and I think that's because against New Zealand, we were pressing hard and we could get away with it. But I don't think those two are going to be up that far against, say, Germany. But, I mean, that's the new Ellis way. Like, that's that's the way Ellis wants them to be playing. And that's what's going to burn us when we do play a France and when we do play when we play a France that's fit. You know, and and is playing their starters. When we play a France that's fit and a Germany that's that's fit, and we continue to play with this formation where we have the outside backs running the full flank, that's going to burn us. That's why we need Rampone to be a super sub. That's why we need Anken, Brune, and Johnston to figure out like who's who's the fittest this game day, because when we play those number one teams, like they're gonna they're gonna run the shit out of our defense. Yeah, I don't necessarily trust Kling or Kolopny. If they're up there and then there's a quick turnover and then, you know, the other team, for example, the Germans start the counter, I don't trust them to be able to backtrack fast enough to to make up for being all the way up there. People I do well, trust I... to backtrack fast enough, Kelly O'Hara. Correct. Possibly Crystal Dunn. On that Crystal side, Dunn. Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. Kelly O'Hara has done it, and I wish I could remember the match I want to say it was in 2012. It's in that window where Kelly O'Hara was playing a match where she was playing left back, got burned by a player, like ultimately hustled her way back, caught them, like basically kind of pulled a Krieger. And you know when Krieger can go into sixth gear and just turn on the turbo boosters? Mm -hmm. Kelly O'Hara did that once and it was just totally swoon worthy. I wish I could remember that match, um, like which one it was. But I think Kelly could do it. Uh, I don't oh, – so while I don't trust trust Kolopny or Klingenberg to have that fifth year or to be able to hustle back that way, I also don't trust Megan Rapino to be paying attention enough to the defensive need to hustle back. You know who I do trust on that side? Heather O'Reilly. 
I trust Heather O'Reilly like to put in a good defensive shift. Yeah, Heather O'Reilly has that mindset, whereas Megan Rapino just kind of, I, I, I think her defensive mindset, it just isn't isn't there in the same way that some other players have it. And so that left side is going to continue to be our weakest side until we, we either fix it or get somebody permanent in there that we say, you know what, you, we can't run the flank. On this side, Megan Rapino, you have to run the flank. So yeah, there was good and bad. I am not quite at the point where I'm saying I'm optimistic, but I am saying she broke the chain of disappointment. <laughs> I, I I am optimistic. Like I, so the match in the World Cup that's had me sweating the most is Sweden, right? USA Sweden in Winnipeg. Sweden has been tanking recently, and I cannot figure out why. Um, I don't think it's because Pia is trying <laughs> to get them to tank. I think I think they are just off. And if the U.S. if the U.S. plays the way that they played on Saturday for the next uh, few send-off matches, and Ellis can stick to a consistent lineup and they can provide consistent results, I think the Sweden game I'm less losing sleep over. And every time they provide a consistent match like what we saw, in my heart, like it's just getting more and more full with the potential of seeing them in Vancouver on on July 5th. And the thing is, recently, before this podcast, Sweden bid it 1-3 to Switzerland, which Switzerland is one of those up-and-coming teams, but they're also one of those teams you need to be comfortably beating if you're going to win the World Cup. Yeah, Sweden is looking less and less threatening as we approach the World Cup. It's good for us. It's shitty for them. Well, now that that friendly is over and it's a month till the next one the big thing now is nwsl starts and soon very very soon friday 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 i'm just imagining you dancing gonna, like in the music video like the girl in the back of the get uh, down on friday like the girl in the back of the drop top she's sitting on the back like she looks like she's kind of flapping her arms i'm imagining you doing that i am flapping my arms that's how you dance the houston the Houston Dash take on the Washington Spirit this coming Friday as the the opener for the NWSL season. I think that'll be that'll be an interesting match uh, because the Spirit players they have three uh, women's national team players who are only joining the club on Thursday, and so that that'll be interesting. I have not seen when the Dash women's national team players will be joining them. I can't imagine it would be sooner than like tomorrow or like I don't think they were there today so I think one of the the talking points for this NWSL season it's it's almost like we're going to see two separate NWSL seasons or or maybe even three um just in this next four month period uh one where we're pre-world cup but we have very limited national team engagement women U.S. women's national team engagement as well as players from other national teams because they're going to be constantly going off for their own friendlies and their own camps and things like that. But um, then we're going to see this period during the World Cup where we're going to be seeing a lot of reserves or uh, amateur players uh, joining squads. And then post-World Cup, hopefully all national team players are coming back to their clubs to kind of finish out the season and and really make the push for for playoffs. And so um, this first weekend is going to be really interesting because, to the best of my knowledge, not a lot of national team players have been practicing with their NWSL teams. 
So, you know, we'll see what the tone is like. The other game this weekend is Portland-Boston. Dun-dun-dun! No, Dun Place for the Spirit. I made that joke years ago. <laughs> so, do you want to make another little bet about the, the well, Portland Breakers series? Uh, yeah, I guess we should. But, so, the Thorns have been looking okay at preseason stuff, I guess. We will have quite a few international players coming in, like, the day of, uh-huh. <laughs> or just the day before, like, yeah. Nadine and Jody Taylor. Sure. Are arriving, I think, on Friday. Mm. I think it's going to be a close match, but I do think it's going to be three to one Portland. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to say two one to the Breakers. Two one to the Breakers at Providence Park. Yeah. Uh, see, now I'm thinking Providence Park this year is actually going to provide some home home field advantage <laughs> instead of psyching up everybody who comes there and having them play their best game ever well i think it's still gonna do that but i think now that a lot of players are prepared for that hopefully it's becoming a little bit more normal for the thorns to come out on that pitch and own it i'm hoping that the thorns with the addition of like a zerboni and getting cat back and having Taylor up top and, you know, having uh, a few hometown favorites on the pitch. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm really, I'm really thinking that, that it's going to be a pretty solid team this year. Okay. Well, what does the loser have to do? I think the loser has to change their Twitter icon to be pro the winner's team. Okay, sure. For two weeks. I'll do it for ten days. Twitter icon change for ten days. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Ten days. Okay. Twitter icon change. So the winner will provide said icon for the loser. Oh. Okay. That's the real. Yeah. The 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 winner will provide icon of winner's team to loser to put up for seven days. Just seven days? Unedited. Okay. Or, okay. I'm sorry, ten days. No, you ten said days. seven. No, take back. Ten days. Ten okay. days. Ten For days. ten days uh, without – the loser cannot edit the image at all. Okay. Okay. Virtual handshake. Virtual handshake. Ten days of winner's Twitter icon on loser's Twitter handle. Word is bond, bro. All right. So that takes us through Saturday. Um, <laughs> on Sunday, we have two NWSL games. Uh, FC Kansas City versus Sky Blue and Seattle Rain versus New York Flash. I'm going to take FC Kansas City beating Sky Blue 2 nothing. Okay. No, 2-1, and I think Nadim oh. will get a goal. You think she's going to stop at one goal, huh? Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then Rain Flash, I'll go 2 nothing to the Rain. I can agree with that. Uh, Scoreline two nothing for the Seattle match. Uh, FCKC, I actually see it being uh, a little bit closer to four to two. Okay. Um, FCKC, just because they are hopefully going to be having a good show at Sporting Park, and hopefully uh, that pumps up the team, and they are able to just go all golazo um, on Sky Blue. But I do think Sky Blue is going to get two. 
Okay, yeah. You know what? I'll I'll push mine closer to you where your estimate is. Maybe like 3-1 to FCK. 3-1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, between, I mean, if they have A-Rod and then they've got Hagen and Shea Groom has been looking pretty good recently, right? And if Holiday's back and Heather O'Reilly's on the field, then there's going to be some good service going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 yeah. With the rain and the flash, the flash have picked up some good players, and I think Mewis is going to be a player to watch this season. But the rain are essentially the same team as last year. They don't have to click in preseason. They've already, they already know each other. So they're coming into yeah. this pretty prepared. So I think they're they're going to have little advantage at the starting of the season, and I think they'll take it to the flash. I, I think so too. I think I think the the rain are going to come out guns a blazing. They've got something to prove this year. I mean, they they went undefeated last year, uh, but then ended up losing in the final. Um, so you know that's that's the chip on their shoulder. Um, we didn't do a prediction though for uh, Dash versus Spirit. I'll call it. 1-1, one, one, Dash versus Spirit. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 to one Spirit. Mm, I think that's fair. I think the, the Spirit the spirit have it. What do they have? They, uh, they, they have the do chemistry. Do they have Spirit? Um, they, they have Spirit. Yes, they do. So that's this weekend, but final rosters dropped today, which is kind of informing some of this. Did you have any surprises? No, not really. I mean, on Portland's roster, uh, Vero isn't on there. Um, we are not expecting Vero to come back or play in the NWSL. I don't expect Vero to play in the NWSL this year. Um, I think it's purely a financial thing with her. Um, I doubt any team, you know, can can get her to come play in the NWSL, uh, which is great because she knows what she's worth and she is worth a lot more than what the NWSL could pay her. But yeah, overall, no, no real surprises. A lot of the teams kind of just sticking with who they've already been showing in preseason. I think there's a lot of strength in these teams. Uh, they're all very young, um, which again, I think is going to be the product of not being able to afford a lot of international superstars to, to come over, uh, to join the NWSL. Um, so we're relying on a lot of, you know, domestic, uh, talent, which is, I think in my opinion is exactly what the NWSL is for, um, for cultivating the, the, the domestic players that, you know, have come up through the college, college program. I think it's going to be an interesting season to see how these rosters change and fluctuate and how teams deal with losing national team players for particular matches uh, because of friendlies, losing them for the cup in general, um, seeing who on the amateur side is going to be able to bump off players who are on the roster today. Um, that is an interesting consideration. A lot of people are going to get to call up amateurs or reserve players for roster relief. And there's so many of them getting called up. You've got to imagine that there's a gem in there somewhere, a diamond in the rough. Oh, absolutely. I think each team is probably going to find at least one uh, diamond in some of these amateur players. And then it's going to be a hard decision to make, you know, come middle of July when the national team players are back of, okay, who who is this amateur going to replace? Because um, they're going to have to start waiving players in order to bring some of those amateurs uh, up the ranks. It's it's really shitty to have to tell a player who came up and worked hard for you and showed well and earned a roster spot, you got to go back now because big time whoever is back. 
Well, but that's the reality of the situation. Like, I don't think any player is coming into this. Like, you'd have to imagine that every amateur player who's getting a shot kind of considers themselves to be like Rudy, right? Like, they're just training with the team, they're putting in the hours, but they don't really have the expectations of all that glory. Um, like, they probably dream of it, and they that's probably what gets them going every single morning, but at some point, rubber hits the road, and you're just like, no, I'm, I'm on the practice squad, I'm always going to be uh, the backup to the backup of the backup, and then you get that one shot, and that's your chance of glory. Um, so it's going to be really interesting because that mindset isn't just true for the amateur players. It's also going to be true for roster players and that they are always, hopefully they spend the entire season feeling like they're competing for their roster spot. I would hope so. I would hope it's less like what Rory Dame said right during the convention that certain players don't like the league because it creates too much competition for them. I would hope coming back to their teams they feel that pressure because even though they're big names or they're allocated or whatever, they still have to fight for their spots. That's healthy. That's a meritocracy. That, that is extremely healthy, and that's going to create the best league possible. Yeah. Okay. So we're out of preseason. Games are going to start this weekend. Let's predict who's going to win the league. <laughs> oh, Based good on God. zero who's information. Who's going to win the league? Yeah. Bold Jesus. predictions. We're, jump- we're jumping straight to that. Huh? You said you wanted bold predictions. What's bolder than predicting who's going to win the league based on absolutely no information and you didn't even want to provide scores for (laughs) the boston thorns game this weekend that's just superstition dude yeah and predicting the the bold prediction is not boston's not going to win the league uh boston boston's on the three-year plan right yeah so contenders for league title this year i think are going to be Seattle, Kansas City are the most obvious two. Yeah. I think Portland's still still up there um, in my heart of hearts. I, I have to believe that. Uh, and I think Chicago. I think Chicago oh. uh, is going to continue to show really well. They just need to, to be more consistent than what they were last year. Inconsistency killed them. But when they were good, they were really fucking good. So, you know, if Chicago can harness that, and provide more consistency. I think they're a contender. Now, who's going to win the league? You know, my my homer is showing uh, Portland. Portland's going to pull it off. I mean, we'll get it out of the way. Seattle and FC Casey, they're already... We don't need to talk about that. We just assume that they're going to be in the running. So, other two spots for top of the table. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick Portland in there. Maybe in the number four spot, not the number three spot, though. And the other one... I'm going to say it's a toss-up between Chicago and Washington for me. Yeah, it's really hard because you sit there and you go, okay, well, who are the teams that are going to suck this year? I think Sky Blue, Western New York, Boston. Uh. Houston's Houston's up in the air for me. Um, they're they're kind of in the middle there with the spirit. But, you know, Chicago just kind of edges them out for me. I think Boston might surprise some people this year. Yeah, with more than, you know, four wins against Portland. We beat you more than you beat us. I think Boston will have a better record than they did last season. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) I think last year, one of the huge problems with Boston that really, it put a millstone around their necks and they never quite were able to get it off until close to the end was Kia McNeil and, and the defense just kind of fell apart from the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. And this year, they know what's going on. The defense is set from the beginning. There's no last-minute surprises. Coleman might turn out to be a great get for us. Mm-hmm. And true, Cat Whitehill's going to be gone for, what, four or five games doing commentary? Which I don't blame her for. you got to make that paper, girl. But her replacement is either going to be Rachel Wood or Julie King. And even though I have a little less faith in that pairing, I'm still not going, ugh. Well, I guess they'll, you know, shoot every cannon through that hole. So... It's going to have to be. Our defense is going to have to be better because we won't have Alyssa Nair for a good chunk of the time. It really sucks in preseason. Everybody basically plays, you know, a couple college teams. And some of them give you pretty good competition. Like, what was it? The Spirit played UVA and lost 0-1? Yeah, I think so. Um, But for most part, any other soul teams are blowing college teams out of the water. Or like Boston, they're beating Jamaica 5 nothing, which doesn't really tell you a lot. Do you think it would be beneficial for teams to play each other in preseason? I think that that would be hugely beneficial, but I don't think... I would rather the league spend money paying players more than spend money playing a preseason where, you know, they're trying to sell more tickets. Okay, that's fair. It, it would be great if regional teams could put together mini tournaments or something like that. But I don't think it's beneficial for them to spend a lot of money out of pocket moving their teams around uh, to try to make that happen. Preseason is just so short in the NWSL that that trying to get quality matches set up has has got to be extremely difficult. I mean, Um, the Breakers went to Florida and Portland went to, what, Phoenix? Yeah. So it's not like you know, a big travel day is necessarily the hump that they have to get over. But getting another team to do that travel day with you? Well, no, if one team goes to another team's location, because we, we already see some teams are willing to cross, you know, half the country. So that's, you know, comparable to Boston going to Kansas City or something. Yeah, but how many matches did Boston play in Florida? Uh, Two. Yeah, and Portland played three down in Arizona. If you can set up multiple matches. Are you trying to say that the multiple matches makes the time cost and the distance traveled worth it more than just a one-off game? I absolutely think that. I wonder why they don't play their local WPSL teams. Maybe it's easier to just arrange it with a college. Much easier. I mean, college is in is in their spring season right now. Yeah. So it's it's beneficial for the colleges, too. Yeah, I, I, I just I take issue with the the colleges that are being chosen. Yeah, that's the league this week. I'm really excited for the season to start. I mean, if you're a Breakers fan, the start of the season is always exciting, but at the same time, it's always mixed with palpable fear and anxiety. But the season's starting. Yeah, the season's starting. Uh, leave your comments on the episode with your predictions for score lines and who you think is going to win the league based on exactly zero evidence. Yes, um, we will We will hold those as matter of record and revisit them in approximately like 24 weeks. Yes, and we will call you out by name. We will laugh at you publicly. <laughs> um, so a bit of a Kickstarter update. We have coasters and stickers that we will be mailing out probably this week. So if you ordered just coasters or just stickers, uh, you can expect those in the mail and probably to be delivered in the next two weeks. If you ordered a t-shirt, we are working with a local to Portland t-shirt manufacturer, screen printer, to get those produced. 
Uh, most likely, it's going to be our logo on a dark blue T-shirt. So slightly different than what was on the Kickstarter site, but we've been advised that a maroon shirt would just make the logo disappear. And so we'll be getting those made over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be shipping those out. So uh, slightly staggered delivery process, but we'll we'll be getting that stuff up. Thanks to everybody for backing us on Kickstarter again. Yeah, we're working on, uh, on uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff that we'll hopefully be sharing with you soon. Let us know if you have any questions about the Kickstarter stuff. Thank you.